Good morning, church. And hello to those online as well. Welcome to our service. It's great to be in worship with you as uh, we are uh, approaching. You know, May is one of the busiest months. I don't know if you ever figured this out, but it is busy. And there's so many good holidays. And alas, we have to wait a whole nother year for May the 4th to be with you. I, you know, it was a good one, though. I hope you lived it up to it. We had uh, many Star Wars shirts going on in my house, many uh, helmets were worn and all that good stuff. But uh, I do have to share with you before we start our sermon today that uh, you may not know this, but my wife and I are secret agents. I know I probably should have told you that because now I have to kill you, but uh, we went on a secret mission this week for our family, and so we've got the four of us, and this uh, secret mission was called Operation Puppy Acquisition, and we wanted to share a picture with you of our new puppy. So here's our puppy. Maybe. He looks great, doesn't he? <laughs> Right, we're gonna, the puppy has eaten the cords. It's all good. This is the best sermon ever, isn't it? I know you love it. <laughs> you like the sermon? Let's go. Oh, sneak peek. Sneak peek. There he is. Aww. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like you to introduce you to Hobbs, our dog, Hobbs. Spelled exactly like Calvin and Hobbs from the uh, cartoon. So, uh, if my little son calls him Snowdrop, just let him be. But he's Hobbs, right? And so this is our new dog. So, eight weeks old, and uh, we were happy, and uh, I have many bite marks already over certain things, and uh, we're having a good time at our house. But I uh, wanted to share you the, with you the newest family of the man family household with you. Uh, let's pray together. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, we're kind of, sort of, maybe in a sermon series, vaguely. Yay, I think, right? <laughs> and basically, we're just doing uh, some of Jonathan's favorite passages of Scripture. And of course, uh, many of them, you know, we all probably have different favorite Scriptures, but this one is one of my favorites, and it's less because of just because it is than it is about the fact that it's meant so much in my life. And uh, I've told you this story before, but I'm going to tell it again because it's worth telling again, and uh, maybe hopefully you know someone maybe going through hard times that this helps out with. Uh, but I want to just focus real quick on the scripture, what's going on. It's a simple enough story, and that is there's a guy named Abram. He has a wife, Sarai, and uh, they've been part of a family. They've actually come all the way from basically, like you think, uh, modern-day Iraq in the land of Ur, they got up and left with their family, and, and actually it was his father that took them up. They went to a place called Haran, which is kind of like Syria, maybe like southern Turkey kind of area, if you want to get into that. And they stayed there, and then God actually called Abram out of there. And Abram got up and took with him his wife, took with him his nephew Lot, and took with him all his people, and got up and left. And the promise was, hey, go to this land I will show you, and you will have it for your descendants. Abram got up and started doing this. And sure enough, God shows up at one point, and at this point of the story, and God basically says, hey, you are going to give birth to a son. Now, the important part to realize about this is Sarai and Abram are way too old to have a son, a child of any kind. This is just not physically impossible. It's clear, even though we don't know the exact age, it's clear in Scripture, they cannot have children. Like, this is a miracle work of God. And the amazing thing was, is when Abram heard the promise, it says in Scripture, unless we just read it, 
He believed. Right? Just think about how audacious that is for a minute. He believed the Lord. And then it says in those words, I love these words, it was credited to him as righteousness. I love that. You see, sometimes God is up to something so big, there's no reason why when you look at it from a human point of view, you should have any inkling to want to believe it. But God is something up to so big, something so big and so grand that all of a sudden you just know that you are in his hands if his promise is going to go true. And he says, walk this way, and you go, this looks nice over here, Lord. And God goes, nope, you're walking this way. And God said, you go, but Lord. And he goes, nope, you're walking this way. And so you start walking this way, right? And then all of a sudden, just the unfolding of the blessings of life come, and you just see God at work and do amazing things. And so a quick story that I have for you to hear today is, uh, so I've told you how in my own walk with Christ, uh, August 11, 1996 was a really big day because it was really truly the day where, you know, I kind of grew up in church and, you know, I was kind of eh about church and all that stuff. But then I went on this retreat, and I really heard the gospel kind of presented, and, and I gave my life to Christ that night. I remember the night. It was Unicoi State Park in Georgia. I remember, you know, all the people that were there. I remember the moment. I remember, you know, as Wesley said in his own, one of his own ways, encounters with God, he said, my heart was strangely warmed. I experienced something very similar to that, right, in my own life. And I started following Christ, doing all those things. But that doesn't mean there weren't trials and tribulations, right? And so that was in high school. That was actually when I was just entering in as a freshman in high school when that uh, happened. I believe that in 1996, I was in high school, y'all. Yeah, that's right. I know you, all you young people are like, you're too old to ever have been in high school. But it's true. It's true. I was at one time. But, uh, and then in junior year in high school, by the time I got to junior year, uh, life had beat me up a bit, you know? I don't know if you ever had that happen where just things don't go right. All sorts of stuff goes haywire and uh, things that maybe from your past that uh, never quite emotionally you dealt with kind of sneak up and catch up on you all of a sudden. And Anyway, so I had this kind of like, I guess, I don't know, quarter-life crisis? I don't know, what would you call it when you're 20-something and this happens, right? But I had this sort of just crisis of life and really crisis of faith even. I mean, it cut me to the core where I basically, you know, got to the point where, look at this, I believe that there was a God, totally believe that, didn't doubt that for a minute, but I couldn't believe God was good. I just looked at what was going on in my life and all the different things, and then, like, I really got to the point where I was like, I, I've experienced you. I know you are real, right? I believe that. But where I'm at in my life right now, like, I can't see how you're good. And so there was a moment where I, there was a time in my life where I actually kind of walked away from the faith. I don't think I went out and just started partying or being crazy or anything like that. Like, I literally just tried to live a moral, good, quote-unquote, life apart from God for some, in some effort. Of course, I learned that was utterly futile, all right? You just, you can't do it. I mean, it doesn't work out for you at all. But I remember this deep yearning of always wanting to believe how good God was again. And guess when I experienced my call to ministry? It wasn't in the good times. It was in those moments, right? And I remember this. It's like out of the movies, you know? I, 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 I It was clear as day. I remember I was actually dating someone at the time, and I was just really unsettled and all these different things. And I remember she told me, she's like, you need to go lock yourself up in your room. You need to like close the door and you need to figure out your life. Cause like you just, you're an emotional mess right now. Like you, you just, you go figure it out. Come call me when you're done, you know, kind of thing, right? And so I did, you know, I went and I, and I you know, got myself in, the, in my bedroom and I was just sitting there and I remember it was, it was out of the movies. It was, I got off the shelf, my Bible, right? Now this was the Bible. Like when I started following Christ, I would write in, I had highlighted all this stuff. So I had like the beat-up cover edges that were barely hanging on by the duct tape kind of thing, you know? That Bible, right? Bible I'd really experienced God through, covered with dust, literally. 
I mean, it was just out of the movies. I literally had to pick the book up and go, right? <laughs> this big cloud of dust rolled off the, the Bible. And I remember, uh, you know, opening it up, and I just said, all right, I don't know what's going on, Lord. I'm at my wit's end. Like, again, I'm at the end of myself. Like, here I am. What you want? <laughs> you know? And so I opened the, the, you know, believing God is real, but still having this horrible, you know, horrible inner kind of conversation with myself is how can I believe in that God is good? And I remember uh, I opened up to this passage. And I'd already told, you know, some people, I was like, you know, like, they're like, what do you want to do with your life? You know, because I'm a junior, you're supposed to have this all figured out by your junior year, you know, and I thought I did and then I didn't. And I felt this, this pull to go into ministry and I was telling people about it. And people were like, yeah, but how are you going to do that <laughs> right? with your faith walk? Like, how's that going to work out, right? I mean, think of the, like, the, the craziness of someone who believes in a God that doesn't even believe they're good and then being called in the ministry to go serve that God. Ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. And yet that night I remember reading this story and I remember sitting there in my own heart and just, you know, God sort of speaks to you and, you know, and my words that I would kind of express it even though I couldn't even express it in words was, was just kind of this idea of like, yeah, I'm calling you. You will find no rest anywhere else. You can try to do any job you want to under the sun. You are going to be in this inner turmoil. Because I've called you to go and preach. And, and I just felt it. I knew it in the heart, my heart of hearts. I knew it was just deep down in the seat of my bones. Like I couldn't, couldn't get rid of it. And I just was like, well, God, how's that going to work out exactly? <laughs> you know, because how do you preach about a God you don't believe is good? It just doesn't, doesn't jive, right? And so I remember him just showing me this passage once again. And I remember reading those words of Abram being promised without having any inkling that God was going to do something, right? That, that any inkling that it could happen in his own volition, of any inkling that anything could, could be done about it other than just trusting in God, he believed. And it was credited to righteousness. Now, those who know the Bible, this happens in Genesis chapter 15, the first book of the Bible. Within the first 15 chapters, and the whole rest of the book, it's set apart, Right? Even today, when you go across the different face of the world, you talk about Christianity, you talk about Judaism, and you talk about Islam, and all three point back to guess who? Abraham, who became Abraham and Sarah, right? Because God fulfilled the promise. God did amazing things, and then all of a sudden, great nations came out of them. It's enough that when God just took them out and said, look at the stars, right? Yeah, I know you have no children now, but look at them. That's going to be your future. Well, that night, I, I did the crazy, audacious thing, right? I put my faith. I said, all right, you know what? I'm going to do this. So actually, I was playing lacrosse at the time. You know, I used to play lacrosse for Georgia. I dropped out of lacrosse and started going over to the church and helping out wherever I could and just kind of doing whatever little things I could. And slowly and slowly, God formed this mold of clay. And a moment, I was just having a minute ago when we were singing some of our songs, you know, uh, well, we weren't singing, but it was actually Nancy playing. But what a friend I have in Jesus. I was just sitting there. I was just thinking about the words, and I was just like, Overwhelmed in my spirit, like, that God is so good, right? That he has been a true friend. Like, what a friend he has been to me. You think about that, you know, that story happened about 20 years ago, right? I'm here to testify, you know, like, okay, I don't have children like the stars or something like that, but I can tell you the difference of a broken man who tried all on his own to be good and do all these things and found nothing, coming back to the faith putting that trust in God once again, how God has led to this moment here today 
where I can just preach it and testify from my own life, not just from Scripture, but how God has worked in Scripture through my heart to change it, that God is good. Not only that God is good, that he is a true friend. You know, I don't know what God has necessarily for all of our futures and what God's planning, but I do know this is, believe it's something big, right? You've got to let God form it in your heart, right? You got, God, you know, God, you know, we don't want to act before God. You, know, you can't put the cart before the horse kind of thing. God is the one that's going to inspire that vision, but God is not done, right? And as many ministries as we do, this isn't it. God's got more in store for this church. And sometimes it's hard to see, right? Sometimes it's hard maybe in your own life. God's been putting something on your heart for a long time, and you go, how in the world am I going to do that? You know, meeting other pastors and stuff. I've met pastors that just felt all of a sudden they were supposed to start a camp. That was 13 years ago. Guess where they are? There's a camp, right? <laughs> right? No funds, no nothing. There's a camp that does all sorts of ministry because of somebody bitten political. I mean, time after time, you see upon people's heart, God say something. And it just takes those small first steps of belief. And then God grows this huge entire family out of an old man and an old woman. Again, church, God is not done with this church. He's not done with you. He's not done with the people. God's going to do amazing things. We've come a long way, but God is not done yet. God's going to give vision after vision of what this church can continue to be, not only for the people that come here, but for this community and in the world. And God's going to grow it. It's going to be something huge and big, but you got to believe it. Because guess what? If you don't believe it, guess what happens? God waits till you believe it. You gotta believe it. You gotta have faith, not that your eyes see, but faith that your heart sees, faith that your soul sees, faith that you know that you can look back on your life and you see time and time again how God has met you in your time of need to look forward in the future and say, God is gonna walk before me. And God's gonna pave the path before me. Now, if you're waiting for the whole, here's what God has planned for you, well, that's still to, you know, that's to be worked out. The church, God isn't done. God's got great things ahead. You've got to have faith like a child. Faith to just say, the Lord said it, it will be done. So believe, church. As we go forward in the future times of this ministry, whatever those days may hold, believe. Just like Abram did that night. Because the truth is, as you read through Scripture, there's only one real requirement to see God work in your life and do amazing things. It's to simply believe and say yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I want to be part of what you're doing. And even though I don't see it right in front of my eyes, even though there's no evidence that I can point to to say that it's going to happen, I believe it because you said it. You know what? When you read Scripture, the church is supposed to be the church, right? There's a promise there, whether you knew it or not. There's a promise there. Wherever a church is that believes in Jesus Christ, there is a promise and a dream and a future. But you've got to have the faith. You've got to have the vision, again, of the heart and not the eyes. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, it's amazing to think how you worked over in life. And God, all of us could testify, I'm sure, of our own stories of how, Lord, you've changed our hearts. You've done amazing things. And just, Lord, just by sharing my own testimony a little bit about how the call to ministry happened in my life and how, God, you worked, I hope that hearts in here are just set aflame. 
that God, even though who knows what the future holds, you know, for America and the world and all the craziness that goes on and every single thing that we have, it is easy to think that church is on the edge of extinction as we know it. But God, you are not done. We are a church that believes. We put our faith in you. We put our faith in the fact that you guide our future. And God, as we're here today and we come to this table, we remember that Jesus Christ walked through death itself before he gave this, or after he gave this communion to his disciples. That new life was given. That for those who have faith, new life is given freely. So God, we do remember this great story, not only of your love that was given for us, but of how on the night in which you gave yourself up for us, you took bread, you broke the bread, you gave it to your disciples, you said, take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you and gave it to his disciples and said, take this, drink from it, every one of you. This is the cup of my new covenant. Pour out for you and for many the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, in remembrance of these mighty acts, and how, Lord, you work through people of faith, and we don't know why or why you choose to do that, but you do it, and amazing things happen. How, God, we can all look at basically Father Abraham in some ways and see how that moment of faith that was trusted in you set the whole course of history as we know it. So as we're here today, God, we remember this, that you ask faith in our own lives, you ask faith of our church as a whole, you ask faith of your people of God to constantly step out, follow the dreams you put in our heart to reach this world for you. May, Lord, you be upon these elements of bread and wine that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ, that in taking them we may be the body of Christ given for this world. Lord, we pray that you make us one with each other and one in ministry to all the world, so Christ comes and we feast at his heavenly banquet. To you, God, Father Almighty, your Son, Jesus Christ, and by power of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, now and forever. Amen.